The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. Welcome to Big Bets on Campus, Sources Edition, presented by WinBet. My co-host, Action Network's own, Brett McMurphy. I'm Action Network senior writer, Colin Wilson. Uh, my takeaway from week four, look ahead to week five, Brett, I, I just have to bring it up. After your article that the coaches know about the point spread, I got Pat Fitzgerald on my list after scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter to cover a 14 and a half point spread. Uh, I'm sure he would say that's a coincidence. That's pretty much what every coach that I talked to uh, said, uh, they did admit they get a lot of pressure from boosters, from donors, especially in the hotel lobby, night before the game, day of the game. What struck me the most with that article is that none of the coaches, current or former, wanted <laughs> their names used. Even though it's legal, uh, there's still this uh, concern about being connected with covering the spread for some reason. Um, one coach told me, you know, look, you know, if a booster asked me if gonna if I'm gonna cover, do you think I'm really gonna risk my livelihood and my job uh, because some booster is gonna give me a few hundred bucks? He goes, I'm not that stupid. Yeah, obviously, no, nobody is ever ever going to disclose that they know what the point spread is. But there are so I mean, you you listed it out so perfectly in that article about you know coaches that are still playing full speed when there's no reason to when you actually have time on the clock where you could just take knees and the game could be over. I think one thing that I look at, I know Arkansas got beat by Gus Malzahn a couple of years ago while he was at Auburn. This point spread was 29 and a half. And with under two minutes left, Gus Malzahn's kicking like a 45 yard field goal up 28, up 28, kicking a field goal <laughs> under two minutes left to cover 29 and a half. So it's definitely known. Uh, <laughs> I think some other things for me, what a turnout uh, in the SEC here. We've got Auburn firing their wide receivers coach. Uh, I don't know why they're not firing Mike Bobo after calling an end zone fade against Penn State. Uh, we got <laughs> Arkansas absolutely demolishing a Texas A&M team. The more physical team with the less recruiting stars. Anything else kind of jump out at you this past weekend? Yeah, it's just, again, what we talked about a little bit last week, just more chaos. I mean, let's recap. Before the season, Oklahoma and Texas announced they're leaving for the SEC. Then BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF announced they're leaving the American for the Big 12. So let's recap the college football season today. Six teams for now are changing conferences. Three coaches have been fired and 25 ranked teams have already lost. And it's not even October 1st. You've got nine members of the preseason top 25. 
that have already lost twice, including Clemson, Iowa State, North Carolina, Wisconsin. You know, of that group, you throw in Indiana, USC, Washington, and Utah. Of that group, Clemson somehow remains ranked at 25th. Certainly not on my ballot, but the other other people that vote for the uh, the poll, I guess, uh, were, were mesmerized by the Tigers, uh, averaging, you know, seven points a game. But anyway, of that group, what's what do you think has been the biggest disappointment for you so far? Well, Clemson, obviously. I mean, even as we talk about this, I know that they dropped down to 25th in the AP poll, and I know that you have them dropped out completely. I hammered them as much as I could in the power ratings. They still fell 15th uh, in the Action Network power ratings. And as I'm looking at the live board right now, WinBet is, you know, a 16-point favorite over Boston College. I, I mean, what is this? I don't understand the love affair with Clemson. Like, I'm off the train. Last week, I thought they could pull it together. I'm officially off the train, so maybe now that I'm off the train, Clemson can uh, find their way back into the AP top 25, but I, I can't talk about your bowl rankings, your bowl projections <laughs> without mentioning that you moved Arkansas from the Birmingham bowl to was it the sugar bowl. I know it was the a sugar bowl. Yeah, yeah. To the sugar, the sugar bowl, bowl against OU with a spread of six. I would hammer Arkansas plus six against OU all day. I did it for you, Colin. I mean, look, you gotta you gotta stop ignoring them. You could make a legitimate argument based on the games that have been played this season, not based on preseason expectations and all that, but simply based on the opponents that you've played and beaten so far, you could make a legitimate Arkansas, excuse me, a legitimate argument. Please nobody record this because I don't want Colin to, to put it back in my face. Arkansas could be the nation's number one team. That's how impressive they have been. I, I had them fifth. I think they fell in at eighth. If they win at Georgia, they're going to get some number one votes. I don't care what happens with Alabama Ole Miss. No question about it. In, in uh, 1998, 20-year-old Colin went to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee and got my heart broken uh, by T. Martin and the Vols and Clint Sterner stumbling and fumbling. The reason stumble and fumble is in the audio intro to the show is because I was in Neyland when that happened, and uh, it's been with me forever. If we get up to that again, to 8-0, challenging for the national championship, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take it. I think another team that we might want to mention, two teams where some things are getting rumbled around, we you know we don't want to not mention it, is Herb Street calling out LSU flat out. I mean, just I don't I think he was had this queued up or anything. I think this was straight from the inside saying you got to wonder if LSU has given up on the season. And then Spencer Rattler getting booed. He can't get the ball down deep. You have any take on LSU or Oklahoma to this point? Well, we're going to find out if LSU cares this week when they play Auburn. Um, you know, and again, you still look at the rest of that schedule. You know, it's it's so comical to even suggest a coach would be on the hot seat two years after winning a national title. But if LSU rolls out a seven and five, six and six, yeah, Coach O's definitely on the hot seat. There's no question about that. <laughs> Uh, as far as Oklahoma, I think everybody's trying to figure out what in the world has happened to Oklahoma's offense. Two weeks ago, that was the fewest points the Sooners had scored in the regular season under Lincoln Riley. Guess what? They scored fewer points against West Virginia last week. Now they play Kansas State, and all Kansas State has done is they've won the last two times against Oklahoma, if I remember correctly, maybe three in a row. So K-State's got OU's number. This will be a you know, this will be a big game for the Big 12 because if Oklahoma loses this game, you know, unless Oklahoma State or Baylor runs the table, I don't expect either of those things happening. The Big 12 is going to be like the ACC watching the playoffs from home. 
Spencer Rattler better sign as many uh, autographs as he can at $150 a pop this week because that may not be have have as much value going into next week. Uh, are you, uh, Brett? I don't know your sleeping schedule. I know you're on the East Coast for everybody listening. Did you happen to watch your Arizona, your Week One Arizona Wildcats that you love so much? Did you watch them give Oregon a problem through three quarters, or were you sleeping and already submitted your AP Top Twenty Five? What was I watching? Um... Maybe BYU, USF. So I live yeah. here in Tampa. I wanted to see the Bulls. The dynamic quarterback. I, I text somebody today. They, he looks like Michael Vick, except he's faster, if that's possible. Yeah. Um, but no, Arizona, look, they covered for me in week one against BYU since then. Uh, the wheels, have, I would say they have fallen off, but I don't know if they ever actually had any wheels. <laughs> they are among uh, seven teams right now that have not won a game this year, including the likes of Florida State, our friends in Tallahassee. Uh, UConn and and of course UMass. Our friends in Tallahassee, absolutely. Well, I think Oregon could lose this weekend, so we'll see. We'll see if I come out with a play against them. But something about this Stanford team is so Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know what it is. the 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 numbers, the advanced numbers, tell me they stink, but they're in these games. I am really glad that UCLA got that cover. I didn't want to have to backtrack on uh, all my Stanford takes. So we'll see what happens this weekend. All right, next segment: sources speed round. The Sources Speed Round. This is the segment I get to ask Brett as many questions as possible. And if I hear anything from my gambling ears, I get to ask Brett to explain himself by calling a timeout. Are you ready, Brett? Let's do it. All right. The clock starts now. Question one. Does Sam Pittman have any advantage in with his history working under Kirby Smart? Yes, sir. Does Kirby Smart, though, have a bigger advantage than Sam Pittman going up against his old offensive lineman coach? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Is it enough for Arkansas to upset the dogs? No, sir. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Colin. Sam Pittman is extremely hands-off. I think people need to realize that he doesn't actually even coach the offensive line. It's Kendall Bryles, you know, calling the offense for Arkansas, and it's Todd Munkin's offense being called for Georgia. So I don't think there's any uh, advantage here. But uh, do you have any other takes on, on Arkansas, Georgia this early in the week? To, to quote current Colorado State coach Steve Adazio, the Bulldogs have more dudes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. That's the difference. Will Lane Kiffin be the first assistant to beat Nick Saban? No way. Timeout. All right. I'm calling a flag. <laughs> Line opens 20. Limit bets out the door. Ole Miss is down to 14. And should I just write you in on Saturday on the BBOC live show? The the the, the Bama posters coming yeah, on up again? I'm afraid so. I mean, you know, Kiffin's offense is incredible. Uh, he's gonna put up a ton of points. You know, I look, I think Saban, they were folk again, it was Southern Miss, but you know, Bryce Young showed some explosive plays. We talked about last week that against Florida is the first time in a few years that they had no plays over 30 yards. And then what do they do against Southern Miss? Albeit the degree of difficulty is a lot different. Um, I, I just think Bama's defense will be the difference. And I think they learned a lot from that Florida game. I'm not going to be thrilled laying 14, 14 and a half, because I know in the fourth quarter, Kiffin's going to be slinging it and slinging it and slinging it. And they're going to be ripe for the sneak in the back door there. The strength of the Alabama defense is the back seven. And that's huge against Ole Miss. It's a different cap against the Florida where the trench was really the most important part for the Gators. So, all right, clock back on. 
What's your pick for the over-under? And I like how I had the question teed up at 77, Brett, but now it's 79 and a half at WinBet. It's going to 80. It's going to eclipse 80. What is your pick for the over-under on Bama Ole Miss? Is that the first half line? Give me the over. <laughs> uh, what's the next move in conference realignment? Air Force and Colorado State to the American likely next week. That's breaking news. Uh, who is the Florida State dumpster fire team of the week? Colin, this week, we don't have just one team, but three teams from the ACC, the top three teams from the ACC, Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina, and Miami, a combined four and six against FBS teams this season. Congrats. All right, timeout. Throw the flag, Brett. Another flag. You're out of timeouts, but go ahead. I am out of time. It's a 30-second. Minnesota lost to Bowling Green. Could PJ Fleck be fired? Do the administrator? I know they have to love him. They're buying into that shit, but the whole row of the boat that he owns, whatever. But you lost to Bowling Green. I, I, I saw I saw a tweet. I wish I knew who who sent it out. I would proudly say who they were, but unfortunately, I don't remember it. They said a week ago, worrying about PJ Fleck taking the USC job. This week, wondering if PJ Fleck will be fired for losing to Bowling Green. Wow. Minnesota uh, right now, plus two and a half at win bet against Purdue. Purdue's got some injury situations. we got to figure out first uh, before we lay any money on that game. All right. Last question in the, uh, with the clock back on, which upcoming game can you absolutely not wait to see? Forget about all the blockbusters this week. Must see TV is next week. That's right. Winless UMass and winless UConn and Repus Bowl 2021. What's the Repus Bowl, you ask? Of course. It's Super Bowl backwards. Set your calendars for a week from Saturday. Good luck on Stucky and I not cutting 20 minutes of our podcast on that game. We'd <laughs> love to dive into that. All right, that cuts it. That sources speed round. Let's go ahead and hop right into our next segment, the AP Top 25 versus the Action Network Top 25. Okay, so let's go ahead and start off with Clemson at 25. Uh, I've dropped him to 15th. Brett says no-go you're not in there whatsoever. Now, I do like your inclusion of Wake Forest then at 24. That is a team uh, that has a path to actually win the ACC. Their odds have come down from 150 to 1 down to, I think, 75 to 1. Uh, for just to win the ACC, it'd be a win bet. So that's definitely worth a look there. Not much not much difference. Baylor comes in after an upset victory. Uh, there's a good chance they can get another upset victory this weekend. You had them at 19th. Uh, 21st uh, in the AP poll. I've got them power rated at 47th. And if they wow. win again, I, I know, I know I'm, I'm so far off. I think the big thing for me is the offensive numbers are finally showing out. Uh, and even though I know there's this, there's about three and a half points away from getting inside the top 25 from an action network power rating perspective, they just continue to be underdogs. They're going to have to keep winning to, to get bumped up. Uh, Michigan state comes in uh, 18th uh, in your poll. 17th in the AP top 25. I still have them down around 36th. There's nothing about that Nebraska victory at all that impressed me with Michigan State. I know, yeah, I know, but you got to reward teams when they win. I, I know where they are on the power ratings, but I, I had to put them in there somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, let's see who else I got. A big difference. Obviously, Texas A&M did not take that big of a hit for me. I still have them PR ranked at number nine. Uh, Brett, you came in at 17. The AP final came in at number 15. Uh, you have to think with how beat up their offensive line is, the inefficiency of Zach Calzada, this is not going to be the only loss they take. Forget Alabama, that's a loss, right? This is not going to be the only loss they take with that dysfunctional of an offense. No, it's not, and, and, and that's a pri- – I mean, like you, I thought A&M would handle Arkansas, but, yeah, they've got some serious problems. 
on the offensive line. And I actually watched him play New Mexico and I should have realized that they really didn't run the ball that well against New Mexico. I think they were trying to pass more and work on their passing game, but they really didn't. They named the score against New Mexico, but it's not like they overpowered him. And you take away the one long run against Arkansas and they really had little to any offense uh, in Arlington. Poor tackling, whatever that was on that, on that shark wheel route to AJ green that we yeah. hit out of the backfield and that, and you basically pushed him towards the end zone instead of wrapping up and tackling. That was, you just, you just said we, by the way, but go ahead. Oh, we, as in, uh, as in, my <laughs> as in Sue, we, <laughs> yeah, we, we, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an emotional time being four. No, it's been a while. The next one we have to talk about obviously is Oklahoma. Uh, I've still got them power rated up at four. You are, the lowest of all AP voters at 15th. They came in at six in the AP. You are the lowest of 15. I guess you're done with the Sooners, right? Everything we talked about before. No, I just, look, I, I reward teams when they win and, and penalize them when they lose. And yeah, Oklahoma has not lost, but they've also, they squeaked by a two-lane team that gave up approximately 300 points to Ole Miss or would have if Kiffin would have kept the pedal down. And then they win by three against a West Virginia team that lost to Maryland they were, went to the final minute against Nebraska team that lost to Illinois, lost to Michigan State. This is the worst offense Oklahoma's had under Lincoln Riley. And so I dropped them down. I certainly don't think they're a top 10 team. Why are they in the top 10 right now? I'll tell you why. Because they started out the year in the preseason top three, four, five, and I had them in my top five. But at this point, again, based on what has happened on the field to this point, I think they deserve to be dropped a lot. Now, if they win, I'll move them back up. I know the power ratings disagree. I know the Oklahoma fans disagree. I've had two people I work with that I used to work with at ESPN who were Sooner fans text me saying, what in the hell are you doing ranking them that low? You know, it's because you're an Oklahoma State grad. And I said, it has nothing to do with where I went to school. I've got Oklahoma State lower than anybody else. I think I had them at 24th. They came in at 19th. It doesn't matter to me. Ohio State fans threatened my life after the Urban Meyer story. I ranked him preseason number one the next year. I could care less about the schools, and I'm looking at what they've done on the field. So, look, I'm not saying they're going to finish at 15th or 16th, wherever I have them. But to me right now, in a snapshot of the month of September, they are not a top 10 team. Well, as a guy that's got a couple dimes down on the opener of 10 to one on Oklahoma to win the national championship bets, I was placing back in January and February. I don't feel comfortable that they're winning the national championship at all. So it's I, still I, alive, but yeah, you don't yeah. feel comfortable. They're alive, point. but I mean, you're, I mean, this is separation Saturday coming up. We have two weeks in a row of major games. Red river is next week. Yep. Uh, I mean, Texas really has a chance to assert themselves and get back up into it. Going to switch gears. Uh, a team that I, completely understand why you have ranked you're the highest AP voter on this team. Uh, and there were a handful of voters that didn't even rank them. And I completely 100% believe I'm with you. And that's Fresno state. So Fresno state comes in at 18. I don't think they have a chance to be the best group of five and get into a New York, New Year's six with so many teams in front of them. Coastal's in front of them. Cincinnati's in front of them. Uh, it may be tough sledding for them to get to a New Year's six, but I 100% agree with you on Fresno state. They've got a path. They just need some help. Obviously, if Cincinnati runs a table, they're out. Coastal runs a table. It could get interesting because Coastal's Power 5 win was Kansas. Uh, Fresno would have beaten UCLA and basically took Oregon to the brink. So if Oregon runs a table in the Pac-12, 
that boosts up Fresno's profile. And, you know, I wouldn't say they have no chance, but certainly I think Cincinnati's their biggest obstacle. Kalen DeBoer, the hottest G5 coaching name when once we get to the conference championship weekend, first weekend of December? Before we get there. But, you know, I, I don't think he wants to head to UConn or <laughs> Georgia Southern. Unless SC wants him, they can have him. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who does SC want? Everybody will get a raise except for you and me, Colin, because they'll all be linked to the USC job. <laughs> the biggest game between... Uh, the biggest game on the board this weekend, for me personally, from a from a money standpoint, from the futures, from everything that I've preached about Notre Dame, from everything I've preached about Cincinnati, from me having you know bets at win bet, you can not just bet on the Heisman, but you can bet on who's going to finish top three in the voting. This Cincinnati Notre Dame game is just paramount to everything else on the board. Uh, Brett, you come in and you've got them at number eight. The AP poll finishes them in at number seven. The Action Network number seven. There's pretty much agreement there. Notre Dame at number nine. I'm trying to look. How high did you put these guys? Notre Dame at number seven uh, for you, and they came in the AP poll number nine. So I a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of parallel thinking when it comes to both Cincinnati and Notre Dame and their rankings. Uh, very interesting dynamic. Marcus Freeman leaving Cincinnati. Brian Kelly was once at Cincinnati. You got any inside for us on this one? I got a quick Brian Kelly story. First, I'm going to ask you a Brian Kelly trivia question. He's been coaching over 40 years. He had a losing season in 2016 at Notre Dame. Do you know the other two years he had a losing season? I'll say Cincinnati and Central Michigan. Uh, you got one right. Central Michigan, he was four and seven, never had a losing record at Cincinnati. The only other time Brian Kelly had a losing record was at Assumption College. He went seven and 12 as the women's softball coach in 1984. So there you go. The only three times Brian Kelly's had a losing record. I, whenever uh, we meet up with drinks at a bar, I am not getting into some trivia with you whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Brian Kelly broke New Rockney's record and he started out as a softball coach at Assumption College. Yeah, you know, I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. Um, speaking of Brian Kelly, let's go back in the time machine. 2009, uh, I went to Cincinnati, covered the Cincinnati pit game. Uh, he had his weekly radio show at the Montgomery Inn. Tremendous barbecue place, by the way. I highly recommend it if you've never been there. It's jam-packed. There's rumors about him in Notre Dame. Cincinnati was playing Pitt two days later at the restaurant. Cincinnati was actually selling these red towels. I used to have one. I looked, I can't find it. It said committed to Kelly. They were selling them for $5 each. Like they were going to sell enough towels to, to forward this money to BK. So he wouldn't go to Notre Dame. After the show, I went up to him and I asked him, I said, what's your response to all this speculation about you leaving after the season to Notre Dame? And he, he didn't like that question. And he said, why, why can't a coach stay here a long time for, for a long career? And he referenced Bobby Bowden at Florida State and a couple others. Okay, so I wrote my story. Two days later, Cincinnati trails 31 to 10 first half. They come back and beat Pitt 45-44 behind wide receiver kick returner Marty Gilliard. Look him up on YouTube. The kid was amazing. And yes, five days later on the night of Cincinnati's team banquet, Kelly accepted the Notre Dame job. Of course, these you can't trust. It's, when it comes to injuries and where these coaches are going, you can't can't trust anything any of these guys are saying. So, yeah, but you're right. 
Yeah, big game. Do you know uh, who you're taking on Saturday? I, I can't see a situation where I'm taking Notre Dame. I, I'm probably going to be in the Cincinnati boat by the time we come to Saturday. I mean, you look at all the numbers, you know, you've, we've talked about Notre Dame. We talked, you know, I had zero yards rushing against Wisconsin. Notre Dame had three. Okay. But still you want, you know, that the magic of the Irish, the second longest nation's second longest home winning streak in Cincinnati you know, they are not that good as a road favorite. Yeah, they did take care of Indiana, but there was everything bounced their way against Indiana. I don't know. I think I'm trying to find a way to take Notre Dame. I wouldn't feel good about it because all the numbers and everything else says Cincinnati should be the play here. I was surprised. I remember texting you on Saturday and you thought Notre Dame would be favored. Now I see Cincinnati as a small favorite. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Stucky method and flip a coin on Saturday. Well, money definitely talks, and that's what's driving this market right now. And I don't think it's going to stop coming in on Cincinnati, but there is definitely a buy. I can't believe I'm saying this. There's definitely a buy point on Notre Dame. And when I look at the advanced stats on these two teams and standard down success rate defensively, they rank ninth and 11th. So what does that mean? There's going to be a lot of third and longs. And I think the handicap in this game comes down to who is able to convert third down. So definitely that is where my handicap has started today. When I started doing a deep dive, it's that, these two defenses are tremendous on first and second down uh, it, it just in, it's against success rate. So a lot of third and longs coming up and whoever can convert those is going to be the one that wins this game. Uh, last question I got to ask you, Maryland beats yeah. Iowa on uh, Friday. Are you going to drop Iowa from uh, fifth all the way out of the top 25? <laughs> or what do do there? They do have a win over Iowa state. I, I, I mean, I don't preconceive, Oh, I'm going to drop this team here or there. I would probably drop them between 15 to 20, maybe, depending on what else happens. Certainly yeah. they're out of the top 10, no question. And still can easily win the West and shake up everything. And then Maryland, Maryland would jump in the rankings too. Yeah, which is great. I mean, I'm, from a futures perspective, I had over five and a half on Maryland going into the season and, and uh, couldn't be happier with the way <laughs> things are going. But uh, this Iowa wins, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> this Iowa thing has, has got to come to an end at some point. This is your Heisman Handicap. The Heisman Trophy is awarded to. All right. So this is the Heisman Handicap. These odds are via win bet. Brett, we're not going to just take a look at who's going to win the Heisman and the odds on that. Let's take a look at win bets top three uh, to finish for the Heisman Trophy. You know, that is a bet where you can actually find some value because their teams could find paths to be a college football playoff contender or a one loss. And if we find a quarterback or I should say running back or wide receiver or defensive player that has better odds and their team does of winning the national championship, then obviously there is something there. Now, you know, to make the top three in voting, Bryce Young of Alabama and Matt Corral of Ole Miss are minus 500 <laughs> to finish top three. The, the guy that loses between Alabama and Ole Miss, because you've said it before, the Heisman is also team dependent. So let me ask you, are you still considering the loser of this game in your Heisman voting? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, because I don't have to put my vote in next week. But, you know, certainly if if Matt Corral has more to gain with the win than Bryce Young, if Bryce Young wins, Alabama wins, Young puts up decent numbers, he's still on track. If Corral wins, if Ole Miss wins, Corral's got to have a monster game. Will it vault him to the, to the clear-cut favorite? like it did Joe Burrow with LSU a couple of years ago. Um, Ole Miss still has some minefields the rest of the way. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. How many losses or two losses or too many losses? Um, one guy on this list that I think 
has some good value is JT Daniels is plus 900 to finish in the top three. Look, Georgia's defense is incredible. Uh, they can run the ball. They, you know, JT, when he's healthy, can put up some numbers. Well, guess what? If Georgia runs the table and beats Alabama for the SEC title game and Daniels is putting up decent numbers and Ole Miss has suffered three or four losses, JT and Georgia won the head-to-head against Alabama. I think Daniels has some great value to get there. So if you think – if you like Georgia to go 13-0, and I doubt you can get him at plus 900 to win the, the SEC or even to win the national title. So I think getting Daniels at plus 900 to get in the top three, again, if you think they're going to go 13-0 and because I think that's his only path, I would absolutely take that. Definitely has way better value than taking Georgia to win the national championship. A, a name on this or list. the SEC or yeah, the SEC. It can't be that high. Yeah, yeah. I think JT Daniels is a that's very good value. That is an example of a player that you'd want to buy instead of taking what the team uh, odds are for the futures. Another name on here, Bajan Robinson for Texas is at twelve to one. I've seen Texas at eighty to one to win the national title, and I think if a running back's going to win this, they're going to have to be that good. Uh, so definitely I would pass on that number. The one that intrigues me here, and I have to ask you, lean on your expertise as a Heisman voter, C.J. Stroud took the week off to get healthy, but his numbers are excellent. Does it matter that he took a week off against Akron in your eyes as a Heisman voter? No, absolutely not. Nobody will remember that. Nobody will say, oh, you didn't play against Akron. They'll remember what he did against Oregon, and they'll remember, you know, it'll mean more what he does in the upcoming games against Penn State, against Michigan, and if they're in the Big Ten title game. So, yeah, it's not like anyone – look, I, I know more people vote for the Heisman than vote for the U.S. presidential election, but I'm pretty confident that nobody that has a ballot will consider that C.J. Stroud didn't play against Akron. Other names up there, Casey Thompson moves from 50-1 to 1 to 30-1. to 1. This is 30-1 to 1 to finish top three in the voting. If Texas runs the table, right, and they, and they win the Big 12 with one loss – I think he's got a better shot than Robinson. I just, I just think the Heisman's geared. It's become a quarterback award. I say that Devontae Smith won it last year, <laughs> but it's going to take some kind of season like that. Um, I don't think Robinson's going to be able to put up those kind of numbers. I think it would be more Thompson and Thompson, you know, it, it helps to have a storyline. Yeah. Thompson wasn't, didn't start the season as the starter. He came in. Does he save the Longhorn, not save the season, but now does he lead him to the, um, to the big 12 championship. I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, um, I don't have the stat in front of me, but since, since the Alamo bowl, he's led Texas on, I think 23 scores out of 26 or 27 drives. That, that's very, very impressive. I doubt he can keep that going, but he can make uh he can make a run. Certainly if the horns can get past their nemesis, Oklahoma and Dallas. Yeah, this is quickly becoming a uh, pro-Texas point of view. It's at least from my side. That's two weeks in a row now. I'm noticing things in the box score. I know Texas put up 70 against Texas Tech, and that's not really a big deal. But the offense that they had coming into the season wasn't putting 70 points up on anybody. And Sark has changed some things around. Uh, I think having Casey Thompson at quarterback is a huge – it's given Bajon Robinson room to run also. Uh, one name. Not wait, 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 wait. Time. I get, I get one timeout. Okay. So how does an Arkansas guy suddenly on the Texas bandwagon? Yeah. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that Steve Sarkeesian follows you on Twitter. Does it? Hey, listen, I, I appreciate coach Sark's uh, interest in, in what we're doing over at the action network. And I wouldn't <laughs> want to do anything to offend him. 
But to be completely honest, I got a 15 year old who's uh, looking at going to UT. He's uh, he's going to be a computer engineer and he's thinking about living in Austin when he gets out of high school. So having a son go to the rival is like just the craziest thought ever. But, you know, my, your kids come before anything else. So maybe, and when he and when he's at UT, they'll be playing Arkansas every year. <laughs> I don't even know how that's going to work out. I'll see him down on Sixth Street, either Sixth Street uh, in Fable or Sixth Street. In Austin, it'll be one of those two. But uh, I thought Casey Thompson not being named the starter and what he did last year in the bowl game, uh, I, I thought he was the more explosive quarterback. And that last drive he had against Arkansas yeah. uh, kind of lived up to what he was. I never had any disbelief in what Sark's offense was. And and so we'll see how they go. That's a big game next week. Uh, excited to see it. Before we get off the Heisman talk, uh, I just have to say one thing. K.J. Jefferson's not on this list. K.J. Jefferson doesn't even have a number. I mean, Spencer Sanders is on here at 80 to 1, Brett. KJ Jefferson is not even on this list. But what do we got to do to get the dual threat quarterback of 260, 70 pounds throwing, uh, can only throw a deep pass and can only juke out the entire front seven? What do we got to do to get him some love for the Heisman? Well, I wouldn't it be better if there's no love. So you can you can grab a giant number. And then if it comes to fruition, you'll be the, the smartest guy in the room. You know what? I, this is how we're going to leave the segment. I'm going to ask you, you have to be honest with me or else I'll have to look it up. Uh, did you vote for Troy Smith or Darren McFadden for Heisman back in 2006? God, I can't remember, but I think I voted for McFadden. Yeah. I I'm still shocked that Troy Smith won that one, won that Heisman. Darren McFadden was easily the most valuable player. All right. Wait, don't get me started about how McCaffrey didn't win the Heisman. Cause that was the <laughs> biggest Heisman, you know, West Coast, can't I know. And I I worked at ESPN then, so I would watch every game in the war room where we had 12 TVs from noon to 2 a.m. And mm-hmm. I saw McCaffrey and Stanford play every single week. That kid was so freaking amazing. But unfortunately, you know, 10, nine or 10 other games were after, you know, nine Eastern. So nobody saw him. That's when you're back doing the show with Mac Brown, who's having some struggles there with the Tar Heels these days. I wonder. That's uh, right. Yeah, I wonder how uh I don't know if Mac wants to get to retirement if things don't work out in North Carolina, we'll see. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last segment, the playoff payoff. The college football playoff payoff. Uh, playoff? Don't talk about it. playoff? You kidding me? Playoff? So these odds are via win bet. Brett, before we get into the odds to win the national championship through the college football playoff, I have to ask you to rank the one loss teams from Florida, Ohio State, Texas A&M, UCLA, Auburn, NC State. I think the first question is, is who's the number one one loss team if the college football playoff rankings came out today? I mean, NC State, I mean, they beat Clemson. Are you are you discounting the UCLA loss to Fresno or are you discounting the NC State loss to Mississippi State on the road? Uh, I think they would actually give more value to the NC State loss. And I think beating Clemson means more than beating LSU. So I would, again, I'm thinking how the committee would think. I think I think they would have NC State over UCLA. Texas A&M, no quality wins. Ohio State, no quality wins. Florida no, hasn't beat anybody. It sounds crazy, but I think the committee would actually favor NC State at this point right now based on the Clemson win and the loss to Mississippi state over the other one loss teams, 500 to one via win bet to win the national title NC state. Uh, for those of you listening uh, to, to Mr. Brett McMurphy hype up the wolf pack. Uh, you know, the, the, the curse, loss- the curse has been broken according to Dave Doran. 
<laughs> the Wolfpack curse has been broken. <laughs> Even a howl. Ow! Some of the odds, the top four I'll, I'll name off. Alabama's plus 150, Georgia plus 200, Ohio State 15 to 1, Oklahoma 15 to 1, Oregon 20 to 1. And then there's a, just a boatload of teams kind of stuck in the middle. We talked about like Cincy, Penn State, 40 to 1. Okay. So, Brett, one of, the, one of the props that WinBet has up right now is Alabama or Georgia minus 195 to win the college football playoff. Now, there's a number of scenarios that could happen here, right? Alabama or Georgia face each other in an SEC championship game. One could lose. They could both get in. They'll be seated one and four if that – I'm sorry, they'll be seated somehow magically – uh, one and three or two and four so that they don't face each other right, right off again. But there is an outside possibility. These are the two teams playing for the national championship. Uh, there is an outside possibility that one of these teams makes it to the championship game and they're minus five or better, which would represent this number at minus 195. Or would you, would you take this prop on Alabama and Georgia or would you bet the field? I actually would take Alabama and Georgia. I, I don't like, you know, having minus money on something like that. But, you know, your example you gave, you're, so you're basically saying if either one of these teams are in the championship, they would have to be less than a five-point favorite for you not to have value in this play. And you could have Alabama and Georgia meet for the title. Now, look, n- neither team could get there also, but I think more times than not, Alabama or Georgia will be in the title game this year. And the spread's going to be more than five, no matter who they're playing. You know, you do the you do the numbers. You know that better than anybody. So right. yeah, I actually I actually think there's actually value in that, um, as opposed to to taking the field. Yeah, and I think the reason why you have to take Alabama or Georgia, if you look at our power ratings over at Action Network, Alabama's two and a half points better than Georgia. So let me give you some fictitious lines about what Georgia would be against the competition of teams like three through six here. Georgia would be six and a half points a favorite over Ohio State. Georgia would be eight points over Oklahoma, eight points over Penn State, and they would be nine and a half against Florida, and they would be more than 10 against Cincinnati. So, you know, when you correlate that minus 195 as a championship game spread money line versus what the spread would be, there's definitely value in Alabama or Georgia. Yeah. And then you add, you know, like you said, add two and a half points to Bama. And yeah, it's, I would would definitely be the play. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the odds that we've got up here. Now that we 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 said the one loss would be NC State, probably. I mean, it, there's going to be more one loss teams coming up here real quick. I think Oklahoma might be one of them after facing. And that's it. just and remember, that's just right now. That's not. I'm not saying at the end of the year that's my one one loss team. I'm just saying right now, if they had to pick the playoffs, last chance to buy Cincinnati at forty to one. In your <laughs> opinion, I, I have to. I have to say it. I mean, it's a big game. I'll answer your question before you answer it. Can 12 and 0 Cincinnati get in over any of those one loss teams? The answer is no. And here's, I'll make it as succinct as possible. If Florida's a one loss team, that means they beat Georgia and Alabama. That trumps Cincinnati's best wins of Indiana and Notre Dame. If Ohio State gets in, that means they beat Penn State, Michigan, and then either Iowa or Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Texas A&M gets in. That means they win out. They beat Bama and then likely Georgia to win the SEC. Also LSU, they would have defeated. UCLA, maybe the only one that Cincinnati could jump because their best wins remaining would be at Stanford and then again Oregon and then USC and then again who emerges in the north. 
even Auburn, the one loss Auburn, if they went out, that means they will have beaten LSU, Georgia, A&M, Bama, and whoever they play in the SEC title game. NC State already has the Clemson win. They would also have to beat Miami, North Carolina, and then Miami and North Carolina again in the ACC title game. I think the, the only two teams that Cincinnati would have a legit chance to stay above would be UCLA and NC State. But basically the SEC and Big Ten teams, no way, no how. Don't shoot the messenger. I think two teams that we got to pay attention to. Penn State, they're in the driver's seat. I know they have to go to Ohio State. You have to win that game to make it into the Big Ten championship. But at 40 to 1, I think those are pretty good odds against a defense that hasn't figured anything out. You can put Kerry Coombs up in the box all you want, all you want. They have not figured anything out. And then you know, Arkansas, I had, I've had a lot of questions, especially from my grandmother who's looking for a, a, a new refrigerator. Uh, you didn't get her one? Well, I mean, the Christmas is coming up, right? I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed around here. I, I got to parse <laughs> out the gifts. Arkansas is 80 to 1, and I've had a lot of questions about it this week. And, and frankly, the point spread that it is suggests that Arkansas's chances of winning this weekend are about 11%. So if you want to take that, and this game doesn't even mean anything, Brett. So you're saying can, there's a chance. If they lose this game they can still go to the college football playoff. Cause remember you got to beat Bama. You're not going to the SEC championship game unless you beat Alabama. You're right. You got to beat Alabama no matter what happens with this game. There are books out there that allow open parlays. And when I say open parlays, that means I'm going to make it a five team parlay and I get to come in and pick the teams whenever I want. And if you really <laughs> Arkansas for the next five weeks, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. If you really think Arkansas can win the national championship, then you need to open up a, a parlay, an open parlay for about four spots, and you're going to start with Alabama, and then you're going to. But start. wouldn't you wouldn't you make more money though if you just took Arkansas on the money line and rolled it over every week? Because I've heard some people talk of that about that before, as opposed to tying it up in a parlay. If you just take the money line and roll it over every week, it would actually exceed yeah. whatever you would win off the off the parlay. But of course, if you do that after three or four weeks, you're going to have this big bankroll and go, wow, maybe I should stop right here. Or do I keep going? I've actually done that a few times where the, the number of wins gets so high for the ticket that you bought that you just kind of push off and go and take like, you know, some guy, some, some team that's on the board, that's like minus 35 favorites and in the parlay. Uh, so, you know, you have to be kind of an artist when you're building these open parlay spots, but it, when you consider what 80 to one is, you can get to that real fast with Arkansas schedule. Uh, long shots on the board that are still undefeated. Uh, we mentioned NC State down at 500 to one. Uh, is an undefeated BYU going to the college football playoff too? Did I ask that? I mean, yeah, no, they can't. They, I mean, they, they play seven power five opponents, but then you look at the rest of their schedule, uh, you know, Utah State, USF, uh, a couple other teams. Again, if when you're comparing them with a SEC or Big Ten school, the schedule does not match up with those schools. What if Cincinnati and BYU run the table? What who will the committee rank higher? I would think they would rank based on what they've done in the past. I think they would rank BYU higher because they would have they would have seven Power Five wins. Um, you know, yeah, they're all from the Pac-12, but they're still Power Five. So it's almost like they played a league schedule with seven power five games. Cincinnati would have two wins against Indiana and Notre Dame. UCS, the next best team on their schedule, but they're, they're not ranked. Um, so that, yeah, that's, that would be fascinating if that happened to see where the committee fell with BYU and Cincinnati. I've wondered ever since his introduction of the college football playoff, are we trying to get 
higher TV ratings with some of the with the rankings and some of the teams and the talk because does BYU or Cincinnati draw enough eyeballs for a January 1st, you know, game that precedes what the Rose Bowl? I mean, I, I I've actually been on the mock playoff selection committee a couple of years. And it basically we you do a past season and you go through the whole process, not a you know five week process, but in one afternoon you go through the process of ranking the teams. And believe me, all of the numbers and information you look at, I really, really doubt. Again, I can't speak for people that are on the committee. I know when I went through the process, I didn't even consider TV rankings. I looked at who had they beaten, what's their toughest wins, their their worst loss, the game's home, road, margin of victory, game control, whatever words you got to throw out there. I really, I know the conspiracy, I look, I love conspiracy theories, they're not they're not picking teams based on TV ratings as much as we would love to think that they're simply going to pick the better teams. Now, you could argue, well, why don't they pick a group five team? Well, they don't have as tough a schedule as the power five teams. And also, by the way, the power five teams also draw more eyeballs, but they're getting picked because of the tougher conference schedule and overall schedule and not because of the number of eyeballs, although it makes for a, you know, makes for a good conspiracy theory. Well, that's good news for a team like NC State, because I believe I read an article where it said ESPN is not allowed to say the word Raleigh anymore because it doesn't sound like big enough of a city or a big enough venue. <laughs> and now, quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free, up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free. Up to $1,000 in eligible states. $1,000. So take advantage of this WinBet offer now. Just click on the Action Network link in the episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All righty, let's get back to the show. If you had to pick a national champion right now, let's end with this. I think Georgia's still winning the national championship. I, I said Georgia Oklahoma national championship game. I still think Georgia's winning the national championship. Are, are you veering off or still staying with the Saban? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I picked Alabama before the season. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change every week. I'm gonna stick with them. But you know, Georgia is much much better than I anticipated them being. And uh, you know, like you said, it'd be a, basically a, less than a field goal game on a neutral neutral site. That sounds right. Um, you know, look, this is only September. I think we'll have a much better idea in a, in a couple of weeks, but um, I certainly don't feel as confident as I do about Alabama before the season. If they're not the best team right now, Georgia's one a, then Alabama's one B, but I still think I still give Alabama the slight edge. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Like we said before, they're both power rated well ahead of everybody else. Uh, not And a lot of teams are about a touchdown less than both of them. So uh, this is it. This has been the big bets on campus sources edition. Tomorrow afternoon, you can hear our red hot group of five experts, Mike Ionello and Mike Calabrese. I think they went four or five on their parlay last week. These guys are hot. Wow. Give the G5 deep dive episode a listen. Late, late Thursday night, Stucky and I will return for our week five betting preview all here on the BBOC podcast. Brett has to get back to making athletic directors until <laughs> phones blow up. Thanks for joining me, Brett. I'll see everybody at the window. <laughs>